Hey, are you ready for vacation yet? Yep, all set. Really? That's what you're bringing? Yeah, yeah, it's the essentials. Smoke Night Live is brought to you in part by Espinosa Premium Cigars. Amp up your daily smoke with Espinosa Premium Cigars' signature Nicaraguan character. Whether you're a Maduro maniac, a Habano junkie, or simply looking to dial your flavor intensity to 11, smoke Espinosa every day. We are, ladies and gentlemen. This is episode 412 of Smoke Night Live. Jordan, yo, it's not Friday night. What are we doing? I don't know. It's a special edition of Smoke Night Live. I'll get into the real reason why it's uh, a Thursday night episode later, later in the show. But for now, folks, we got some big news. Uh, big news. Yesterday, we announced. Was it yesterday or Tuesday? The uh, yeah, Tuesday. Tuesday, we announced uh, Urodashi. Is coming back. It is our uh, leap day cigar that we release every leap day. So we, if you if you look on the screen, the orange one, that's from 2020. The purple one, the light purple one, is the brand new Urodashi, Urodashi. which you can buy only on leap day. That's February 29th. For those of you don't, that don't know what leap day, I don't know why they call it leap day. Shouldn't it be non leap day? Like it's an extra day. I don't totally understand that anyways it's science uh make sure to plan on that it's fun jordan what is your what is your urodashi strategy do you do you Mm. buy urodashi and smoke them all when you get them and just remember that experience do you buy some and set some aside this is uh you know all the cigars we release you always should buy more than one bundle or box but this one especially especially this one i say you go you go three you know smoke smoke the one and then the next leap day you can compare against the last yeah, I think that's the fun is the comparison. Um, we did uh, amp up this blend a little bit to change it to make it kind of more fun and exciting. So I think you guys Swap are going to like it. out a little bit. Uh, this will be a uh, smoke in exclusive. So it'll be on sale on um, February 29th. Here's the cool thing. If you order that day, you are automatically in the running for a rabbit air air purifier. I think it's the A3, Jordan, the brand new A3, which we have sitting over here. It's a super cool unit. And you can almost w- see it there. It will be, yeah, you can't quite, you can kind of <laughs> see it a little bit right there. Um, it'll be decked out in uh, Urodashi graphics. It'll be a one-off made by the Rabbit Air Corporation just for the Urodashi release. So everybody that buys a bundle on that day, uh, that night we'll have a show. Abe will be on. Alec uh, Bradley will be. I mean, sorry, Bradley Rubin will be on that uh, night. Uh, maybe Alec as well. Ooh. Not sure. Um, and then that night, Jordan, we'll pick a random winner. Somebody is going to walk away with a Rabbit Air A3 air purifier, all decked what out, custom colors for the Urodash. We got a great studio audience tonight. Oh. Look at that. Look at the boys over there on a Thursday. We've got <laughs> Scotty Brayband from Trinity Cigar Lounge. The greatest mobile lounge in the Western and, by the way, just found out today, and Eastern Hemisphere. Jeez. Scotty, 
it's got both, all the it's hemispheres. Both now, I'm moving up the world, huh? It's both now Western and Eastern. So you, you, and that's you, saying it's spherical. Correct? You've got still, it, we're it's, still going. It's, it's not on the on the flat Earth policy. I don't. I don't. We'll so get into. We'll get into. Sure how the hemispheres <laughs> we might. Work, we right? might get into that later. Uh, uh, we got Matt Hall sitting over there. He's a famous zookeeper, and we've got Connor Slump of the Thirsty Oak YouTube channel. If you haven't checked out his channel, you should. It's all about bourbon. By the way, he just uh, dropped a video today, which we watched. Very, very good. I liked every second of it. But now is the time, Jordan. Oh, no. Before we bring on our guest, guys, like and share the show. Share the show to your own timeline. If you're on Facebook watching, if you're on YouTube watching, you know, subscribe, click like. It really does. It really does make a difference. This is how uh, we keep the lights turned on. Uh, All of you great folks that watch the show every Friday night. Appreciate it. And thank you for uh, uh, joining us on the special Thursday edition. And it's a special Thursday edition because on the show, folks, we're bringing back one of our favorite guests, uh, a guy that I watch every single day without fail, my favorite podcast host. He's a podcast host. He's an author. He's an actor. And now, folks, he's a cigar brand owner. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Michael Knowles. Michael, welcome back to Smoke Night Live, my friend. Thank you for having me. Truly an honor. I, uh, you know, I appreciate that you listen to the show and the, you know, the feeling and activity is mutual. I said when I first got the wheels rolling on the Mayflower cigar brand a year ago, more than a year ago now, I actually mentioned you. I, I said, look, when this thing goes live, <laughs> I really want to go on an actual cigar podcast, and I really want to talk about it. And there's one show that I want to go on above all of them. So I'm glad. Uh, I know we we kind of ran out of stock very quickly because we yeah. sold out of our <laughs> entire supply in like one day. But now we've got the pre-orders back in, so I'm I'm really glad that uh, we can finally do it. You know what's cool about this, Michael and um, Jordan, and I have talked about a lot about this in the studio. Is there's this there's this big story going on in the cigar industry. Um, that's largely unnoticed by the cigar industry because you have such a large audience and you're sort of, you're, you're sort of doing your, your own thing, uh, did this brand. It's, it's been wildly successful, but because you've done it in sort of an unconventional way through your own following, um, it's other than us, it's sort of been largely unnoticed. Like this is one of the biggest, if not the biggest, uh, brand, uh, debuts, if you will, of any cigar brand. Thank you. Yes, it it might be. I mean, we'll we'll see the numbers at the end of the year, but I I think that it we're on track to be the biggest cigar brand launch ever. But I totally understand why some of the rest of the cigar press and media haven't picked up on it yet because it's so bizarre. First of all, we don't have any stock, so for people <laughs> who might want to give it a review, there's no way to do it. Luckily, we. You know, we launched with what we were told was four months supply from our production and distribution partners who are very big and respected guys in the industry. So we were ambitious on the numbers and we thought that would get us through four months. Maybe you sell out a little sooner, but at least it would get you into Black Friday, maybe up to Christmas. And it didn't. It lasted us 24 hours. It was all gone. Uh, we were able to to get some stuff, little dribbles to come to come up for a few extra orders. That took us through... I want to say something like 57,000 cigars, but, you know, that was between the samplers and the uh, people were buying boxes that they didn't even want of a different size, but they just got anything they could. And, and then, I mean, you know cigars, 
you can't really rush it. You know, this is yeah. a handmade luxury product that right. requires aging. And I, I certainly will not put out a cigar that is prematurely aged. I don't want someone to get a face full of ammonia or something. So we said, look, guys, I'm sorry, but we're all out. Stay tuned. We'll let you know when something else drops. And then uh, we, we were able to aggressively ramp up production. But the, the, the other problem then is we can't always pre- sell the cigars two, three, four months in advance. You know, our financial partners don't exactly like that. So we've got to wait until we've got stock that's about to land. Well, we're happy to report finally now, we've got stock that will ship by late March. So I think we're already sold out on the eight count sampler, but we've still got a bunch of both blends, the Mayflower Dawn and the Mayflower Dusk. All of that a long way to say, I get it that some of the magazines just aren't able to write anything about it because they don't know what the cigar tastes like. The The other issue is that we've gone completely backwards. Usually yeah. uh, the way a cigar brand would launch is you come up with the brand, you you get some samples, you go to a trade show, you talk to the retailers, you have them try stuff. They place an order six to 12 months later. Maybe they get some stock. Then they you roll it out. We, we did totally the opposite. We went straight to the customers. Then the customers have actually gone to the retail shops to request that the retail shops stock it, even though we don't have stock right now. The retail shops then go to mayflowercigars.com. They put in a request to become a seller. Soon we'll, we'll start supplying some of those, uh, but it's totally bonkers. So, you know, I, I look forward to some of my favorite magazines and, and other podcasts uh, getting to review it. And I, you know, I'm confident and I hope that we'll get good reviews, but it, it's uh, for me as I've been a cigar geek since I was 15 years old is really great to see a, a big shakeup to the industry and in yeah. a way that I think will help to, to really grow love of cigars among a whole new generation. Yeah, let's uh, let's just dive right into that right now. Um, uh, let's go back to the beginning. Uh, I'm curious as to how this, how the genesis of this project uh, came to be. Did you go to Jeremy Boring, or did he come to you, or how how did that process happen? Where you were like, because I know you guys have, you know, started several other uh, products, the the Jeremy's razors, the chocolates, and all that, and that's all fun. Uh, this is a dramatically uh, different beast, obviously cigars. Um, uh, a, a, a very, I don't know, um, not, I'm not, I want to say underground industry, but we're talking about the people that really get into premium cigars and those kind those kind of folks, the guy, the guys that watch our show, they're a little bit of a different animal. <laughs> and so when you, when you're doing that and it's a tobacco related product, how did the genesis of this happen? Was there, was there pushback from the guys or were they all in? How did it, how did it happen? There was no pushback. The only gentle question that was raised was, can we launch this type of product? Because you mentioned Jeremy's razors, which we've sold a gazillion razors, uh, Jeremy's chocolates, which which we've sold a many, many dozens of tons of chocolate too. But both of those products were reactionary. So Harry's razors tried to cancel me and Jeremy in his spitefulness decided right. to create an entire razor company and, and really, uh, you know, make a big splash in the razor marketplace. But a lot of, a lot of those orders were for people who were not primarily concerned with what razor they're using. They were primarily concerned with sticking it to companies that keep going after <laughs> us for our normal beliefs. Uh, same thing with the chocolates, you know, uh, Hershey's, embraced radical leftist politics. And so Jeremy starts she, her, and he, him chocolates. One of them has nuts and people buy them. Not, not because they care about the chocolate all that much. It's, it's reactionary. Right. With cigars, 
There is no um, reactionary marketing campaign to say, you know, stop letting woke tobacco <laughs> uh, run all over your values. You know, to, the tobacco industry is fairly pretty traditional. Yeah. Uh, yes. It's been one of the industries that helped build this country, in fact. Uh, so we knew that this product was going to have to stand on its own, which was great for me. I did not want to make a reactionary product here. I have been thinking of this specific cigar brand, Mayflower Cigars, for at least 15 years, I guess closer to 16 years now. I got into cigars when I was 15. I, I wrote my college admissions essay about how much I love cigars. I started a cigar club in college called the Society for Intellectual Growth and Reinvigoration, or cigar, so that the school would fund Ooh, my habit. I, clever. I, you know, I've just, I, I've, it's been a passion for a long time. And so I, I, the reason we picked Mayflower is uh, because- That's my next question. Well, I look a little Italian, you know, I'm a little swarthy, but the other side of my family that did not come over on a sardine boat came over on the Mayflower. And uh, I had four Mayflower ancestors. One was a pilgrim. Three of them were a little bit of more questionable character. One of them was the first guy to be executed for murder in the New World. You know, America, you, you can, uh, <laughs> you you can do, do anything you want here. So uh, we thought that was a nice way to have a nod to patriotism, to tradition, to all the sorts of things Mm -hmm. that Daily Wire stands for, and also have it be uh, personal. Uh, so I, I went to Caleb, actually, who's one of the more li little more silent uh, executives here, the co-CEO of Daily Wire, five years ago. And I said, Caleb, this is my plan for a company. And he said, that's a great plan. I don't know how we're going to do it or whatever, but, you know, it, it sounds great. Jeremy and I had been collecting cigars together for years. We'd gone on trips to collect cigars. You know, he was really into it. Uh, this all came together about, I guess, about a year and a half ago now, when the Daily Wire started to investigate this. And they had a very uh, nice team of people who were investigating it. And they came to me for my thoughts. And I promptly took the project away from them. <laughs> I, I grabbed it as though it were, you know, the dearest thing to me. And I said, hey, guys, can I just kind of run with this thing? I've got a lot of thoughts about it. I have mm -hmm. an obsessive interest in cigars. And they said, yes, do whatever you want. So this, this was all wonderful and all well and good, but we couldn't figure out how to get in with the kind of producers that we wanted. I had a very clear vision of this. Uh, by, by happenstance or by providence, call it whatever you will, I was slated to appear on the Mike Huckabee show, which tapes just north of Nashville. And a member of Congress comes up to me and he says, uh, Hey, Knowles, you're a big cigar guy. I said, yeah. He goes, oh, you got to swing by the Congressional Cigar Caucus. I'll give you one of my cigars. It's a rebanded Oliva Series O. I said, oh, I love the Series O. Actually, that was one of the last Christmas presents my mother ever gave me when I was a young man. She gave me a box of Oliva O, and she left this world prematurely, and I've cherished this as one of my most prized possessions, and I just, I have such a a love for the Oliva company. He said, oh, cool, I'll introduce you to the CEO. I said, you got to be kidding me. And we do a phone call, and we ironed out most of the deal in about 15 minutes. Uh, and I, I was over the moon. Of any production partner that I could possibly work with, Oliva was at the very, very top of my list. I didn't think it could even be done. And I mentioned to them, I said, guys, I don't want to just reband some cigar that's in regular right. production. You know, I have very specific tastes and views on how this thing's going to come about. And so it, it took us 
I don't know, at least eight or nine months to go through a zillion different blends. They would fly up here. I flew down to Miami, tried to fly to Nicaragua. That didn't work out so well. Uh, and, and we arrived at the Mayflower Dawn, which is the Connecticut cigar, and mm-hmm. the Mayflower Dusk, which is the Habano, uh, little, a little more full-bodied, a little stronger. And I'm just ab- absolutely delighted with both. I, the, the Dawn is my favorite Connecticut I've ever smoked. But my preference would be the Mayflower Dusk, which I'm smoking right now. And and am I? Um, let's see if I can get this, Jordan. Uh, see if I can get the. Uh, there oh, we go. Look at that focus. Look at that. You know what I like, I, I, Michael? Being a uh, graphic designer myself all these years, what I really like is the simplicity. Uh, you could have easily gone with um, a logo featuring, you know, the the ship or something like that, um, which would be cool. Um, but also on a band, it's a little clunky. You know, having the all the the masts and the and stuff. I like that you you simplified and the logo is the the flower itself, um, the Mayflower. And it does have a striking appearance. And that's kind of what you want, like sitting on a shelf uh, next to, you know, a hundred other cigars. You you want something to grab attention. I think you guys did a really nice job uh, picking, um, picking the branding on this initial offering, going just with the simple flower. It's very nice. Well, thank you. And that involved a number of other people. We have a brilliant uh, creative designer, Ralph. We've got another wonderful designer, Morgan, who is working on it. And then I I was really involved in it in as much as my first instinct. What do I know about graphics? I probably would have put the ship on it. And these (laughs) these guys who are much better about it, they said, no, let's try something simpler. And they came up with the flower. And then this this triangle you see here is uh, based on a design from Mayflower II, which was a recreation after World War II, of the ship made in Britain, sailed to America. And then they thought, okay, well, what if we, instead of the triangle, what if we make the triangle tobacco leaves? I thought that was great. Then I said, okay, what if we flip it? So it's, so the triangle is like the sail of a ship. And then you put Mayflower on the bottom. It looks kind of like the, the, the ship itself. And then we thought, okay, what about the colors? And even the colors, you know, this idea of the Mayflower brings up the notion of the pilgrim. And my favorite work of art is the Divine Comedy by Dante. Obviously, the Mayflower pilgrims were quite religious. And I thought, what about the color scheme of red, white, and black? Those are the three colors of the steps on Mount Purgatory that Dante ascends. I really liked that. Mm. You could flip it for the two blends. Uh, And and then... then we got down to the design of the of the band. We thought, well, what if we get those waves in there, make it a little more uh, complex? But the, the the this all came to a head. I was obviously overthinking this, and I was <laughs> I was hanging around DW one night, and our friend and colleague Jordan Peterson was here, and Jordan he doesn't smoke anything, he's not a cigar guy. But I said, hey Jordan, I have three or four mock-ups of a cigar band here. Which one do you like? And, you know, Jordan is an extremely intense, focused person. So, so we're standing here just kind of, you know, shooting the breeze. He takes my phone, puts it in front of him, and stares at it for, I would estimate, no less than 90 seconds. And I'm standing there. I, say, I don't know what to say. You know, he's clearly focused. And then we've got this. And he looks, he goes, the third one. That's the one. It's more symmetrical or something like that. And so the, the final call actually of the band options comes from possibly the most esteemed public intellectual in the world today, Dr. Mm. Jordan Peterson. So it was really wow. a, a big family project around here. Yeah, that's a cool story. I, I think, you know, for cigar geeks, uh, what they, what I, I find sort of interesting about these two blends, um, 
is the binder on both are a little bit unique. Uh, you don't often uh, find a Cameroon binder, which you have on the Dawn. And the Dusk um, has a Sumatra binder. Um, kind of interesting, uh, making the flavors a little bit more uh, fun. And and so let's talk about that blending process, uh, Michael. How did that go? Were they sending you samples? Like As far as we go we, with, with our the 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 um the collaborations that we've done over the years with Davidoff and Camacho and Drew Estate and so on you know we we don't ever claim to be master blenders I would never ever even think of that but I so I rely on them uh, and then you know we sort of go through these blends and then we say oh, okay we like this one but you know maybe it could be a little bit more salty or maybe there needs to be a little bit more sweetness or whatever um, how was your blending process how did you go through this to come up with these first two offerings. Well, I'm, I'm totally like you. I would never claim to be a master blender. I'm a master taster. I have no <laughs> idea how to blend this up, but I, but I know what I like. Right. And so initially I went to, to our production partners and I said, okay, we want to launch with a couple of blends, maybe something that's a little more mild to medium bodied for, look, they're, they're guys who've been smoking cigars 50 years. They just prefer mild to medium bodied cigars. And especially for people who are new to the hobby uh, that, that'll be a little bit more approachable. But I said, I don't want some tasteless nonsense. You know, I want something that's complex that, that will change. You know, I, I want, I don't want it to be a one note cigar the whole time, uh, but still more mild to medium. And then one that's a little more medium to full bodied. And I said, for me, uh, you know, if I'm going to have two cigars in a day, I'll start with the more mild cigar. I'll move on to the more full bodied cigar, but there, there is a painting of the Mayflower that hangs in the Plymouth Museum. It's by a guy named William Halsall. No one knows of this painting. It's uh, relatively obscure, but it's, it's pretty beautiful. I have one hanging in my office and it's the ship in Plymouth Harbor and the sky is illuminated, but you, you can't tell if it's dawn or dusk. So is the sun rising on America? Mm. Is the sun setting on America? What is it? And I really liked this, this image. I thought, okay, well, if you have two cigars a day, you're gonna have one in the early part of the day, one in the later part. So let's make an, a Connecticut and let's make more of a, a Habano wrapper. Uh, I, I did have the thought that perhaps we should do a uh, broadleaf cigar. Uh, now, broadleaf can be really hit or miss, I find. When it's great, it's great. And so, but if it goes wrong, it can, be, it can have burn problems or it can, can be a little one note. And add on to that, that basically no one can get broadleaf right now. So I said, okay, forget the broadleaf. Maybe we'll, we'll release that one a little later. Mm. Uh, you know, give, give me a few options. And uh, unfortunately, I was prevented from traveling down there and doing it myself in the moment. It would have, would have probably gone a lot quicker. So instead, they send me six blends. They say, okay, try these six. Let us know where you go from here. I smoked them all at the same time. I didn't finish all the cigars necessarily, or I might have been passed out. But I, you know, I'm, I'm allowing them each to change and grow. And it was clear to me, okay, I want something like this and I want something like this. But now give me variations on that. And uh, so they send me variations on that. Then our distribution partner flies up and he's got a zillion different cigars for me. And I said, okay, I really like this, but I wonder, could we get a little bit more of this note, a little bit more of that note? Uh, the Dawn, I think we identified pretty quickly. We, we knew, okay, this is, this is the one, you know. Um, Dusk was a little more complex because I also knew that the more medium to full-bodied smoke, that was going to be what the 
most of the cigar geeks really gravitated toward. And there is nobody, I include myself in this group, nobody is more snobbish than cigar geeks when it comes to the particulars of this taste or that taste or how it changes. So we wanted to be really, really careful on that. That that blend probably took us, I don't know, prop, really that might have taken us more like four months of just testing, going back and forth and this and that. Uh, but what we landed on was a cigar that I think is really special because one, it's, it's, you can't pin it down. It changes. The, that second third is, I, I think, pretty different from the first third. The retrohale on it, I think, really opens up a world of flavor. Uh, it, in my experience, I've smoked a zillion of these things. It, there's really never a point when it turns, when you say, okay, this is acrid. I want to put it out. I mean, you could smoke it down to the nub. Uh, I would, I'm pretty confident it'll, it'll never turn on you. Uh, but the way we described it when we had the final tasting session was uh, a friend who was sitting there said, you know, this is the kind of cigar I almost want to eat it. You know, I don't, it sounds kind of strange, but it's the kind of cigar where it's, it's like a meal. You know, you're really getting all these different tastes. And uh, I said, okay, I don't know if we've had too many cigars or too much whiskey that you're talking about <laughs> eating your smokes. But, but that was when we landed on it. And uh, I totally... There was really no disagreement when, you know, we all smoked all these different cigars and we were all pretty broadly in the consensus that this is the one that's really special. You know, I've, I've never tasted this before. Um, now, every Wednesday night we have a uh, cigar pairing podcast, which is called Flavor Odyssey, hosted by our good buddies, Robbie and Randy, and uh, where we go through and and take a various brand and try to come up with the best drink pairing. Let's talk about uh, drink pairings with these. What would you recommend with the Dawn? What would you recommend uh, with the Dusk? What are your pairing thoughts? So right now I'm having uh, Macallan 12. And the reason I'm having Macallan 12 is because it was the only bottle in my studio. And that is because a few months ago, after a Daily Wire event, a politician friend and I, I couldn't figure out a place to smoke cigars because things were closed in Nashville. So the, the best place to smoke would, of course, be my studio. That way, if we went to my house, my wife would have chased us out with a broomstick. So we uh, came back here, and this was what was sitting around. I like it. I'm all for a Macallan or really any kind of single malt with it. I know a lot of guys gravitate toward that. For me, though, what I really like to pair this with is a cognac or an Armagnac or even a port. And... Uh, I started out smoking cigars with port. I, I really like it. It's me and old British women, I guess, get really into port. Uh, but I, I think the flavors really complement each other pretty well. And um, sometimes with a, a scotch or a bourbon, it, it can overwhelm the, the taste of the cigar. Or worse yet, it overwhelms your brain because the alcohol content's too high. So uh, that's why I, I tend to go more for the cognac Armagnac port with it. And then for the Dawn, because it's a cigar I have early in the day, uh, you know, I, I try not to show up slosh to the Daily Wire more than two or three days a week. So with, with the Dawn, it's more uh, espresso or mm -hmm. maybe maybe a tea even. Even, um, you know, you could pair it with one of those fruity seltzer drinks that millennials all love, myself included. Uh, if I were going to have it with, with a spirit, I would probably pair it with even just like a, a full-bodied red wine. You know, I, I wouldn't get, I, 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 I wouldn't, I wouldn't get too much into the, the spirits with it in that it's just a, it's a more delicate cigar. Mm, right. So no, I, no pumpkin spice latte. No, <laughs> uh, you know, that w I had this thought, no joke. I said, we've got to come out with a seasonal pumpkin spice cigar, except that 
I will lose any credibility that I ever had among the cigar guys if I come out. That'll be the special edition for 16-year-old girls. I think, I think Michael, we made fun of you the last time you were on our show um, about the scotch thing. I mean, you're an American for crying out loud. You're a patriot. You should be drinking bourbon like a real man. What's the, what is the, what know, is the problem? You know what I'm getting into? Look, I, I live in Tennessee now, so obviously my proximity to bourbon country is pretty tight. Right. And there's actually a great one right right around me. There's so, there's some good bourbons coming out. A uh, Belmead bourbon is really good. Yeah. Um, the Belmead Reserve, I think, is good. But uh, the thing I'm getting into is American single malt. So I can I get to keep my scotch, but it gets to be American, so I don't mm -hmm. seem like I'm a traitor to my country, especially <laughs> with a Mayflower cigar. You can't have a really a foreign spirit, right? Those two seem to clash. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, we'll we'll we'll, let you, we'll we'll give you some slack on that. Hey, Jordan, we have some breaking news on the show what? tonight. Now, um, there is now on the dojoverse.com a Mayflower digital badge. You can earn a Mayflower cigars digital badge on the right. Dojoverse. It is now live. Now, you may be asking yourself, how do I earn said badge? Well, first of all, you got to get your hands on some Mayflower cigars because. Um, that is that is how you do it. <laughs> that's, you part of it. that's part of it. You check into the cigar as you're smoking the cigar, and with a certain amount of check-ins, eventually you end up with a digital Mayflower badge. Now, for the folks that are watching the show, don't know how to do that. Jordan, uh, you you created a yeah, uh, whip something up a little video that shows you how to do this. Michael, you can watch with us. We're sort of premiering this little video tonight uh, for folks that uh, well how to th that may yeah you know, a little how to. Obviously, the the dojo people know how to do this very well. But there may be some people that don't know. And so, Jordan, uh, let's play this little video to show you how to do it. You go to dojoverse.com on your phone or your computer, and you do this. folks that is how you earn your mayflower badge on dojoverse uh that's actually it sort of showed you two different ways you could do it really if you watch the video closely um i like to do mine just through the main timeline but you can also go into the uh, brands page and find them there and check in and do the same routine there so folks when you pre-order now on mayflowercigars.com and you eventually get your your package in uh late march maybe or is that right michael sometime march ish april they start shipping i 
I'm very confident it'll ship by late March. I'm hopeful it could ship sooner, but I, I'm quite confident it'll be late March. And just so that people don't feel like I'm hoarding them, this is probably one of a dozen of these cigars that I still have left. Uh, even I, even I can't get my hands on my own cigar. There's a special <laughs> size on that. We, we released three sizes of each blend. There was a special order I put in because I like a bit of a smaller ring gauge. So I requested some Corona Gordas. They made me 3,000 of these cigars. And then I get a call from the very capable woman who's running the business operations, Tara. And she said, hey, Michael, you know all those Corona Gordas you, you ordered? Yeah, you're not getting any of them. We're selling them all. <laughs> We're putting them away. Sorry, buddy, you're out. So when when you get them is when I'm going to get my next shipment. And then we can all get our badges on Dojo Burst. There you go, folks. Uh, that's how it's done. Uh, before we go to commercial... Um, Michael, there's been a lot of talk uh, about who you resemble. And uh, you know, a lot of folks say, um, jokingly, that you resemble maybe just a little bit of uh, Rachel Maddow from... Yeah. Is that yeah. MSNBC that she's on? <laughs> I don't know. I, yeah. I can see. Maybe it's... With it's, the glasses, yeah. It's a stretch. But Michael, I found... I was a, waiting for you to say Brad Pitt. I found... No. <laughs> now, you're going to like this better. I have found a much, much better... Uh, doppelganger for you, which is a young Dave Grohl from uh, uh, Nirvana and now Foo Fighters. Now, come on, folks. That's ridiculous. That is that is a spitting image. And the good part of this, Michael, is now we know exactly what you're going to look like, you know, in mm -hmm. like 10, 20 years. Uh, Jordan, show that. There you go. That's Boom. there you go. That's Michael Knowles in uh, 10 <laughs> or 20 years. There's no doubt in my mind, Michael, that that is how you will. Yeah, that's a good that's that, that, there's nothing wrong with that. That's something to look forward to. I used to, in the early days of my show, I would wear glasses so that I could read the prompter. I don't wear glasses most of the day, but so I could see at a distance. And uh, Ben Shapiro actually forbade me from wearing the glasses because he told me that they make me look like a lesbian. And so I was not <laughs> permitted to wear them. But Dave Grohl, that's pretty good. That's something yeah. to look forward to. That is something to look forward to. When we get back from commercial, Jordan, we're going to do some deep thoughts. Ooh. With Michael Knowles, because, I've you know, he's one of the great thinkers of our time. That's right. And so we've got some, we, we did this with Steve Saka. We did it. Who else did we do it with? Uh, Terrence Riley. Uh, I forget. We've done it oh, with Matt Booth. Matt Booth. We've done it with several, several guys. But before we get there, ladies and gentlemen, this show is sponsored by JR Cigars, one of the world's largest online cigar stores. JR's way ranges from everyday bundled cigars to incredibly high-end boxes, plus a large selection of cigar accessories. Enjoy the best prices on your favorite brands such as Romeo, Julieta, Monte Cristo, Crown Heads, Davidoff, Espinosa, and many more. Make sure to try one of their exclusive lines such as the Drew Estate Nightshade or my favorite, the limited edition Cigar Dojo 10th Anniversary Champagne by Perdomo. Celebrate over 50 years of excellence and stock up on your favorite cigars today. Smoke Night Live is also brought to you by Espinosa Premium Cigars. Espinosa Cigars was our Cigar Dojo first ever Cigar of the Year Award winner. Since then, they've consistently placed their cigars on our coveted year-end list, placing more than any other brand in the last decade. Whether crafting full-bodied Maduros at the San Latino factory or whipping up a zesty Habano at the fan-favorite La Zona factory, or even serving up a knuckle sandwich with Guy Fieri, Espinosa packs the flavor that cigar craft fanatics crave. Get in the Lazona state of mind with releases such as the 601 Blue, Espinosa Habano, Murcielago, or the Opulent Orange, Jordan. 
treat that Eric Espinosa himself dubbed Laurent. There you go. With a lineup this good, you'll have no excuse but to smoke Espinosa every day. Ladies and gentlemen, this is episode 412. We're chatting with Michael Knowles, one of the world's most popular podcast hosts, one of my favorite shows. I never miss it every single day. Uh, Michael, you do some impressions, uh, a few impressions. Um, you do your wife, uh, sweet little Elise. Um, I, I've heard you do a few, uh, but my favorite, my favorite one, this is one of the, there's only, Jordan, there's been a few good things that came out of COVID. Mm-hmm. One of them was to-go cocktails. Oh, you yeah. you got to admit, <laughs> to-go cocktails, that, that, Why was, weren't a, we doing this that was a positive, that was a positive of the whole COVID thing. But another positive was Michael's imitation of Dr. Fauci. And I don't want to put you on the spot, Michael, but if no, we could get here. if we could get a little Dr. Fauci. Listen here, you you think that you can make me just dance? Get up there, start doing a little soft shoe for you, just because I'm here on your show. Don't you know I'm Dr. Fauci? You listen to me, you punk. You put on that mask, you stand six feet away or seven feet, or five feet, or whatever I say. Because I am the supreme leader of this country, and I always will be. You uh, sheep. That was incredible. Incredible. Thank you. That, that, you know, that, that impression yeah. is based on... I grew up in New York, if you could not already tell. And uh, that impression is actually based on a, a beloved Jewish woman friend of mine from Queens, who has, a, I realized when I heard Fauci the first time, I said, that is the, the exact same voice. And so I just, I just did that voice. And uh, it, it has yet to be proven wrong. I think he grows into more of a caricature of himself every day. Right. That's what I like about your impressions is they, they're not like sort of rich, little accurate, but they're, they're like a great character of the person that it sort of tells a little bit more about the person than an actual impression might say, right? Like it, it gives you the spirit of the person. Well, thank you. Uh, you actually factored into one of my conversations with my beloved wife, which was I, I've got all sorts of tchotchkes, especially cigar stuff around my house, all sorts of cutters and lighters. And my wife is always afraid that, you know, one of my kids is going to get one of my cutters or something like that. I've got cigars everywhere to the point where, you know, my little toddler will come and say, hey, Dada, do you, you, you want your cigar? Here you go, Dada. <laughs> so, oh, thank you, buddy. That's very nice, you know. And uh, but I have all these tchotchkes lying around. She wants to throw them out. Oh, do you really need this box? Do you really need this, even this lighter anymore? This, that. And she goes, she goes, Mac, I know. Can we just throw this out? Do you really need this thing? And I said, what is it? What is it? I look at it. And I said, hey, that's my dojo coin. You can't throw out my dojo coin. Put that back in my office. You're not you'd throwing lose, that out. You'd instantly lose your man card if that happened. I mean. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Michael, recently you were in the film Lady Ballers, and you played a, uh, a TV reporter. I think the name was what Drake Diamond is that what it was? Yeah, that's right. And in the show, if you guys haven't seen it, it's hilarious. Um, if you haven't seen Lady Ballers yet, in the show, Michael plays this TV reporter, and uh, him and um, who who's the 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 girl with you in that? Brett Cooper. Yeah, Brett Cooper. Right. Uh, you guys are TV announcers, and like, almost simultaneously as you're reporting, you you both sort of realize that you're not virtue signaling enough, right? Like it, it's almost like this weird, like simultaneously, you both sort of realize that, oh my gosh, like we're not being like woke enough. And so then throughout the show, you just continue and continue to get more and more and more 
sort of like uh, virtue signaling to the audience. And by the end, you're just in full Indian headdress. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's hilarious. What did you do to pre you know, prepare for that role? Were you like a, a method actor where like, you know, you were just a real jerk on set every day, you know, after a while and... I insist on being a real jerk on set, just regardless <laughs> of acting styles. The, the, the funny thing about it is, and this is a bit of a confession, in my wayward youth, all right, we all did things we're not proud of, when in my wayward youth, I actually was a, an actor, a professional actor. I trained at some of the most reputable conservatories in the country. I, I took it very seriously, you know, studied uh, Strindberg, Chekhov, Stanislavski, Shakespeare, of course, uh, all, all of this technical acting and the peak, the absolute <laughs> highest point of my acting career is me wearing a headdress going, oh, 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 oh. so it really shows you dreams can come true. Yes. Uh, it's a great show. Uh, you guys got to look that up, uh, watch it. It's just, we, we've talked about this, Jordan and I, and you guys talk about it too, but I think Jordan, we started talking about it before they did. Comedy sort of died. Uh, oh, there was yeah. a, there was a time. Two thousand nine. That's the cutoff. Do you, you you say two thousand nine? Two thousand maybe yeah. two thousand eleven. You can make an argument for it. But. Yeah, like all the great shows, you know, Anchorman and 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 everything. It just it all ended. And so you, I thank you, thank you, Daily Wire for sort sort of bringing comedy back. We all of us appreciate that, Michael. Well, thank you. It's really all Jeremy. Jeremy makes the exact same point that you do. He says two thousand nine. That was the end. Tropic Thunder was the last of those great comedy movies. And then, I don't know, I guess Obama just killed comedy, whatever, right? Yeah. He, he gets elected, there's no more comedy. And so had that not happened, had, had comedy movies still been made, obviously someone would have made a comedy movie about a bunch of dudes playing women's sports and beating them at the swimming, and the right. volleyball and the weightlifting and whatever. But, but no one would touch it. Hollywood, least of all, just can't touch it. And so the, the reason we did that movie, which was written within, I want to say, four or five weeks, then immediately filmed within, I think, six weeks, then edited within another, I don't, I don't know what it was, maybe two or three months. And so from start to finish, this was six months. This is the fastest turnaround you can possibly imagine on a, on a film of this size. Uh, we put it out there because no one other than the Daily Wire would do it. And so we thought, one, we want to amuse ourselves. That's basically the main thing we're, we're after in this office. But two, we thought this is a great market opportunity because people still want movies. This social phenomenon is probably the most ridiculous thing that anyone has ever lived through in his lifetime. And no one's made the movie about it. So, okay, I guess we'll do it. And very pleased to say that, uh, you know, people came around and it, and it the movie did very, very well. If you want to watch it, you just become a member at Daily Wire Plus. You get all sorts of other content. We've got a whole kids content company now called Ben yeah. Key. Obviously, the political shows and uh, and and a lot more to come this year. As so long as Hollywood refuses to make decent stuff, uh, we, we're viewing that as a great market opportunity. Now, uh, Matt Walsh had a significant role in the movie. Was was Ben Shapiro? Uh, uh, was Ben Shapiro just a little annoyed that his role was just uh, such a minor part? There are no small parts, <laughs> only small actors. And I, I felt we we would make fun of Ben around here because Ben Ben would be the first to admit it. The man can't act. You know, he would always crack. He would always laugh. He couldn't. He but just he can rap. Keep a straight face. He can, and, but he can rap. He's the number yeah. one rapper yeah. in the world. Uh, yeah. But 
Ben, I felt in his role, which was only, what, like three lines or something, yeah. I thought the guy totally killed it. You know, he was really, he was really channeling his own inner frustration with all of this nonsense we're doing. But I thought he did great. All right, folks, I think it is time, Jordan, to get some deep thoughts from none other than one of the world's greatest thinkers, Michael Knowles. Uh, because I think, Michael, when we go through these deep thoughts, I think there could be some life-changing moments for some of the audience mm -hmm. members that watch uh, Smoke Night Live on, on the reg, on the regular. Uh, so these are some deep topics, and we need your guidance and your help. So, Jordan, let's, let's do, do some deep thoughts with Michael Knowles. Our first question for our guest, Michael Knowles. Michael, could we have happiness without sadness? Yes. <laughs> Simple as. I know people, you know, they want to make it really like woo-woo, you know, man, it's like the yin and the yang. and the, But no, you can't. You actually don't need to be sad to be happy. How you do you, how could you enjoy and understand happiness without knowing what sadness was? Well, because on the one hand, you got the, the woo-woo new age guys who are talking about, you know, man, like the light and the dark and whatever. But then on the other hand, you have um, Uncle Aristotle who points out that happiness is uh, excellent activity done in virtue, in, in, uh, with a virtuous character. So, you know, it doesn't sound as sexy on, as a slogan or on a, an inspirational meme, but Aristotle is more correct than your hippie aunt. What do you think about that answer, Jordan? Spot on. <laughs> <laughs> I think, Jordan, one of your arguments to this, uh, one of your retorts to this, Jordan, was as an example, uh, heaven, it'll just be happiness with without yeah, sense. Yeah, it's kind of, uh, you know, evil's at the absence of God, basically. This is sort of the same kind of concept. Yeah, I didn't want to necessarily cram the overt religion down your throats, but since you brought it up, yeah, in the beatific vision, nobody's going to be bummed out. We're all just going to be brimming with joy, playing harps and singing choruses, <laughs> and maybe and maybe smoking cigars because the body is a temple and the temple needs mm -hmm. incense. You'll be playing the sitar, though, I would assume, at that point. <laughs> yeah, well, except it broke. My oh, sitar no! broke. So, but in heaven, it'll be fixed. Come on. That's ridiculous. Mm -hmm. All right, deep thought number two, Jordan. No. Uh, is it ever okay to lie? And if so, under what circumstances? It is never okay to lie under any circumstances. You don't need to take my word for it. You can take the word of St. Thomas Aquinas following St. Augustine following the great teachers of uh, virtue, both through reason and revelation. Uh, however, while it is never okay to lie, you don't always have to tell the truth. Mm -hmm. A nice distinction. Mm -hmm. I see that. So if grandma's cookies have way too much baking powder in them and they taste like an Alka-Seltzer tablet, it might be okay to say, Grandma... I don't know. I, I feel like I feel like that's. <laughs> no, I feel I'll tell like you what you say. I feel like that's I'll a case you where it's say. okay you to say, lie. Grandma, oh, this is so wonderful. I love it when you cook me cookies. Ah, uh, now you're, that's true. You're not lying at all. You're evading the question of the cookie, and you're talking more broadly about the relationship with grandma. The simpler and more common example is: Does this dress make me look fat? And you say, "Honey, you look great." Now you're avoiding the dress <laughs> and the different, but you're, you're not lying. 
I feel I feel like though, Michael, you could end up. Uh, I don't know if you saw the Andy Griffith episode where Aunt B makes the terrible pickles for Andy and um, why can't I think of his name? Barney. Opie. No, Barney. Opie. Yeah, Opie and Barney. Oh, yeah. And they lie and say these are great pickles, and then what happens is Aunt B she continues to make pickles, and then they have to hide thousands of pickle jars throughout the house because they don't want to eat them. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. uh, a small price to pay to yeah. keep Aunt B's feelings. But, you know, you could dance around it. You say, oh, you know, Aunt B, I, listen, I don't even really like pickles all that much. I'm not even the biggest pickle guy in the world. <laughs> but, but this this is so lovely. Oh, and then maybe she gets a little bit of them. Okay, I'm not going to make the pickles all the, but you will, nevertheless, you will have to hide some quantity of pickle jars. No question. That's a good answer. I like that. All right. Uh, next deep thought from Michael Knowles, Jordan. Which of these assertions is most likely true? One, Bigfoot exists. Two, the earth is flat. Three, we are being visited by extraterrestrial life. And maybe even, Michael, you could rank these in order of most likely to least likely. They're all false. If I, I don't want to be too bold here, but if I could change just one part of one word. If you said we're being visited by extra-dimensional mm. intelligent life, then that is absolutely true because angels and demons exist. Aliens, however, do not exist. Aliens are angels and demons for atheists and libs, and they're totally fake. Uh, so th I guess that, that is the most likely if you take my edit in there. After that, I guess we're going to get to uh, Bigfoot because, you know, something resembling Bigfoot exists. We have, you know, the former Michigan quarterback David Cohn works <laughs> here at our facility. And that guy, if you threw one fur jacket on him, he would be indistinguishable from Satchmo. And then, no, he's the trumpet player, Sasquatch. And then Sasquatch. right after that, you get to Flat Earth, which I don't subscribe to, but we've been lied to so many times by our elites. If you told me that the earth were flat, I'd be about 5% surprised. All right. Yeah, I, I, I think I would have to, I think I'd have to agree with that ranking. Jordan, how do you, how do you rank those? I'll, I'll agree. He'll, he'll agree. <laughs> I, by the way, I was in a, uh, I was in a two year long debate uh, with the flat earther at, at one point in my life. And now, Michael, you're saying to yourself, why would you punish yourself in such a manner? And the reason I did was because this guy, I really, I, he was, he had written some books on theology and I, I actually thought like he was like, like a really sharp guy. Like I, I kind of respected him theologically and I, I would listen mm -hmm. to him theologically quite a bit. And then towards the end, he, it turned out that he was a uh, hardcore flat earth guy. And I couldn't, I just couldn't let that go. So I said to myself, you know what? I'm going to do the stupidest thing that I've ever done, which is I'm, I'm going to engage in this guy. And it, it turned into a two year long uh, debate. <laughs> it, it was actually kind of fun because now I know now I've forgotten some of this at this point, but now I know, Michael, I know like all of the various, you know, arguments that they go through. So it was, it was beneficial to me at the end. So in, in the defense of the flat earther, well, in opposed to the flat earther, you, you would say that he might just be taken by enlightenment propaganda. There was this propaganda at the uh, beginning of modernity, which said the middle ages were a dark age and they were all idiots and they all thought the earth was flat. And that just isn't true. Uh, 
the thinkers have understood that the earth is spherical or thereabouts since antiquity, going back to the ancient Greeks at least. Uh, so that's just, he bought some modern propaganda. But in, in the defense of the flat earther, there's a great thinker named Owen Barfield, who is one of the inklings with C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien. He's the guy who I think converted Lewis to Christianity. And he has a, a concept called saving the appearances, which is this, this notion that all models are false, but some models are useful is a, a more modern way to put it. And so you say, okay, for all intents and purposes, the earth is flat, right? In my in, in virtually anything resembling my day-to-day -day life, the earth might as well be flat. Just as, as far as I'm concerned, uh, the earth is the center of the universe because man is the center of the universe because we're the meeting of the physical and the metaphysical. So I don't know, some egghead in a lab coat says, actually, you know, the earth is <laughs> such and such a degree away from the center. But I think, okay, buddy, what is that? That doesn't reveal anything to me. Just like these uh, modern people, they'll say, in in response to my colleague's question, what is a woman? They'll say, well, you know, a woman is um, two X chromosomes. I don't know what two X chromosomes mean. That doesn't mean anything to me. In fact, it is much more evocative and precise to say a woman is sugar, spice, and everything nice. That is much truer than to say a woman is two X chromosomes. So it doesn't vindicate your theology, buddy, but I see his point. I, I will say uh, last uh, thought on this was what I learned, uh, Michael, the most about about these guys, the flat earth people is they have this um, community. It's a com it's a feeling of community. Um, they they've found other people that have this crazy belief that's sort of like, hey, we know something that you guys all don't know. And they they involve they get into this sort of bubble community and they mean a lot to each other. Like they find yeah. relationships with inside of this. Just like the dojo verse. <laughs> hey, Hey, <laughs> I don't know about that. All right. Uh, number four, deep thoughts, Jordan, Michael, is it more important to be respected or liked? It's best to be respectable. It's better to be respectable than to be likable, because that has to do with your own integrity and character and virtue. But when we're talking about things we can't control, like how people relate to you, it's just a practical day-to-day -day matter. It is better to be liked than to be mm -hmm. respected. This is a fallen world governed by principalities, powers, spiritual wickedness in high places. And in that regard, if you want to get along in life, it's better to be liked. But when it comes to your own eternal faith, your own integrity of character, you should be respectable, which might make you disliked by some people. I think this question, Jordan, has been one of the most controversial ones that we've had in Deep Thoughts. I think so, surprisingly. Like, yeah. It's gone all over the place. I I, I would lean towards the, um, it's, it's more important to be respected. That, that sort of, uh, there's a little bit of, um, uh, it talks to your, your character uh, and the goodness of your character, uh, whereas I want to be popular. Anybody can be liked. You can be liked for, you know, bad reasons. And um, so I, I do agree with you on that one, Michael. Uh, last question. This is the most easy one of all. This is just a, just an easy one. Michael, <laughs> what is the meaning of life? So I actually have an answer. I actually think, call me crazy. You know, I'm a mackerel snapping papist. My answer coming from the Baltimore Catechism is... The meaning 
of life. A thing is, uh, the meaning of a thing is known by its purpose, and the purpose of life is to know God and serve him in this world and to enjoy him forever in eternity. But if that answer is not good enough for you, then the answer is 42. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I think that, like, you could ask the question, why didn't God just bring us to heaven initially? Why, why the point of, you know, this life, this earth, this reality? And so I think you nailed it by exactly with what you said. It's, it's sort of a demonstration of our free will. It allows us to have free will in a real way. Like we're able to make eternal decisions in this life. And without this, you couldn't really make that eternal decision, it would be foisted upon you. Is that a good way to say that, Jordan? Foisted? Foist. Foist? Is that a good word? Foist? I think it would be foisted <laughs> upon you, Michael. It. This is what Christians say on Easter. You know, there's an old antiphon, there's an old exclamation that people would say, which is, oh, happy fault that won for us so great, so glorious a redeemer. Why did mankind have to fall? Why did the world have to become pervaded by sin and death? Why do we have to put up with terrible things like murder and discord and bad cigars? Well, because the world could then be redeemed and would be even greater than if we were all just, you know, kind of mindless automatons. Mm, I love that. All right, that's Deep Thoughts with Michael Knowles. Now, Michael, I know um, as we exit these deep topics. We have one even deeper topic. And I know you're not a sports guy, um, but the Super Bowl is coming up this Sunday. And I would be remiss in not asking you your predictions as to who you think might win. Now you, Michael, were one of the lucky people, or I wouldn't say lucky, you earned it, but you got to fill in for the great late Rush Limbaugh. And Rush was a big sports fan, and he would base his decisions on the uh, mascot of the various teams that were, you know, playing against each other. Do you have a prediction on this Sunday's Super Bowl, San Francisco 49ers versus the Kansas City Chiefs? Yes, I have a prediction. My prediction was going to be that the Yankees would win, and that would probably um, go through all of my knowledge and caring about sports. But if we're going to base it on the Rush principle, which I think is probably smart since Rush mm-hmm. remains the man even mm-hmm. after he sadly departed, uh, I guess the mascot for the Chiefs is Taylor Swift. So, mm. you know, if I were a gambling man, which even though I don't know anything about football, I'll probably throw a little money on the game on Sunday. Uh, I guess I'm going to have to bet on the most popular woman in the entire world now worth over a billion dollars. You know, whether you like Taylor, whether you hate Taylor, come on, that's got to be the storybook <laughs> ending. And then Travis Kelsey proposes on the field after the game. And then unfortunately they probably like endorse Biden or something. And we're just going to forget about that. We're going to put that to the side. Whatever. And then they live happily ever after. That's, that's the storybook ending, right? Yeah. Uh, but can I, I want to comment a little bit on this Taylor Swift thing. Um, I want to get your take on this because this is something that I have not heard any, you know, uh, folks that talk about these, these things you have, uh, you have people that love Taylor Swift and um, I, I really don't know much about Taylor Swift, to be honest with you. I don't really listen to that kind of music. She seems like a nice enough person. Uh, and so, and then you have people that hate Taylor Swift. They hate seeing it on the screen all the time, drives them crazy. And so then, and then you have this, this sort of third group of people that get mad at the people that don't like seeing Taylor Swift, <laughs> right? 
And so mm-hmm. uh, my thought on that is they haven't really, they don't, I don't think those people understand sports because here's the deal. I'm a Denver Bronco fan. I hate the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't like <laughs> Travis Kelsey. So the last thing I want to see is his girlfriend every five minutes. You're forcing me to like the guy on the opposite team, his girlfriend. I, I, I'm sorry. I don't, I wouldn't care if it was Taylor Swift or Brittany Mahomes. I don't want to see that every five minutes <laughs> on my yeah. screen because I'm not a fan. Like, I don't think, Michael, that some of these people understand sports fans enough to realize it really doesn't have that much to do with Taylor Swift per se. Yes. It, the, the problem for the NFL is Taylor Swift, being the most popular woman on the planet, brings in a ton of new eyeballs. Sure. So the NFL yeah. wants to keep the eyeballs but they know that every time they cut to Taylor, they are irritating every actual football fan <laughs> in the entire country. So they're, they're going back and forth. They don't know what to do. Add on to that, there's this political issue where some people hate Taylor because they think she's a big lib or something. And so they go off on to, some people have said she's was created in a lab at the CIA, you know, <laughs> as she's a big psyop to get Biden elected or something. And uh, But uh, my take on it, I'm with you. I had to go watch that Taylor Swift concert movie as a matter of work, and I'm thinking of filing a complaint with HR, you know, as there's a hazard that I had to deal with. Before I went into that, I probably couldn't have named to you a single Taylor Swift song. Maybe I've heard them, but I don't, you know, I'm not exactly a Swifty. But I'm pro-Taylor, and I'm pro-Taylor for this reason. Taylor Swift, we live in a culture now where everyone is mutilated and jiggling and prurient Mm -hmm. and just completely degraded. And you get someone like Taylor Swift, who is, she's normal. There's a great Twitter account I follow called Edmund Smirk. It's a play on Edmund Burke. And he, he extols the virtues of Swiftian normality. You know, the girl, (laughs) she's pretty, she's normal. She isn't overly sexual or vulgar or crass. She, what, what more do we want? This is a girl who goes on the football field, kisses the, you know, big football player. This is as American as apple pie. I'll take the win. You know, I I don't really want to listen to any Taylor Swift music, but if it's between that and, you know, Doja Cat jiggling around like a demon or something, give me Taylor all day long. I I do agree with that part of the analysis. It's just that as a Denver Bronco fan, (laughs) I am, I am, I am, uh, I'm I, I'm bound I'm bound by the legal obligations of being a Denver Bronco fan. So there's that. I'm I'm rooting for the San Francisco 49ers, Christian McCaffrey, local kid to Denver, Colorado, uh, best running back in the league. Uh, their coach Kyle Shanahan, son of Mike Shanahan, who was the Denver Broncos coach. We won the two Super Bowls. I'm voting. My I'm putting my money. in. Jordan, you might oh, yeah. win. You might win the pool. Yeah, I'm I'm in third place. Yeah, I can oh, do this. And by the way, just a, a quick note. Uh, yeah, we have the playoff pool, but we also have the Super Bowl pick'em. I shouldn't say Super Bowl. Uh, the the big game pick'em contest on Cigar Dojo right now. So if you go to cigardojo.com, you can find the uh, the contest page. You can enter. All you got to do is you know who's who's leading after the first quarter, who's leading after the second. There's there's like eight or nine questions, and whoever wins is going to get a full box of Drew Estate Dojo. Dogma. The runner-up will get a six-pack of the Hoya Ninjarago. That was one of our other products that we did back in the day. And each winner will also, Jordan, get a Cigar Dojo Paleo Cutter, which is really cool. It's this cutter right here, which I love. It's perfect for travel. Put that in your travel humidor. It fits in there nicely and super-duper sharp. 
So that's what you can win if you get in the big game pick'em contest with us. I, I alluded to this earlier, Michael. I didn't want to say it right away because I didn't want to turn people off, but one of the main reasons, now some might say we did this show on Thursday to accommodate your schedule. That's not true. Some might say we did this show on Thursday to accommodate Jordan leaving to go to the Dominican Republic tomorrow um, oh, yeah. and, and being on, on location in the DR. Got to put Tru- in that research, baby. Truly. Truly, by the way, Jordan, the day that you get back from the DR, I leave to go to the DR. Um, but anyways, um, the the true reason, Michael, that we did the show on Thursday is we really, really wanted to go head to head with the Tucker Carlson um, Putin interview because I think I think when when the the ratings come out, you know, it takes a couple days mm-hmm. in the wash. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that you know Putin and and Tucker will be disappointed in their results, probably based on on this show. Obviously, I, all day, people kept talking about the big interview happening at 6 p.m. Eastern. And I said, guys, I'm starting to feel self-conscious. You're putting so much pressure on me. I'm glad you're all tuning in. They said, this big interview at 6 p.m., it's going to break the Internet. I said, oh, I think we'll get a lot of views. I don't know if we're going to break the whole Internet or anything. But I do I do feel uh, very sorry for uh, Tucker, who, who I love. You know, Tucker uh, has, has always been great to me. And uh, and the president of the Russian Federation, he I don't know him really, and I can't say he's been great to me. He's never been bad to me, but I just don't I don't know Vladimir as well. But I do I do pity the guys because True. look maybe after the live airing of these interviews, people will go back to watch Tucker yeah. and Putin. But obviously in the live, you know they're they're here on Cigar Dojo. Oh, it'll be a it'll be a a, a disappointment, I'm sure, for those that uh, that tuned into that, and not this. Uh, before we let you go, uh, a couple quickie things, um, Michael. First of all, um, remind everybody how they can get their hands on some Mayflower cigars uh, as soon as humanly possible. So the way to do it is to pre-order them, and I. I hate pushing the pre-order because, listen, I, I want to get my cigars two days after I order them. I usually buy from brick-and-mortar retails anyway. Uh, we're just not in the retail shops yet. We're looking forward to, to rolling that out within the next year to 18 months. Uh, you got to pre-order it, though, because they're going to sell out. So they don't actually land for you know being in stock to ship until late March. We, we just announced the pre-order. We've already, and we, this is a huge order that we put in after the massive launch. We've already sold a third of the pre-order. Uh, some of the, the hottest items have already sold out. So if you want to try it, if you, if you want it for Father's Day, if you want it for uh, the 4th of July, if you want it for Arbor Day, I don't know what, what you're celebrating, uh, make sure you put that order in now. And I would also recommend ordering more than you want. Uh, I'm not just saying this to show the product. It's, it's going to sell out anyway. But if you if you just buy the, you know, three to five pack sampler and then you smoke one or two and you say, man, this is great. I want to get a box or two. It's going to be gone. So you go to MayflowerCigars.com. Some exclusions apply. You have to be 21 years old or older to order. The lawyers told me I had to say that uh, and put your order in. I'm confident it'll ship by late March. I'm hoping it's going to ship earlier. And part of the reason I'm hoping that is I am running out. And if I can't smoke my own cigar, <laughs> I'm going to flip over the desk in my studio. And then uh, finally, Michael, um, what is the future for Mayflower Cigars? Is there other blends in the works, other lines? Do you do you see yourself eventually participating in the Premium Cigar Association trade show, which uh, me and Jordan are preparing for, which comes up in March? Do you see that? I mean, obviously, you're not going to be there this March, but 
Um, do you see yourself maybe doing that kind of stuff in the future, being more brick and mortar oriented? What is your vision of the future for Mayflower Cigars? Totally. I love the cigar industry. So I wanted to go to PCA this year. Uh, obviously, we just we just don't have enough stock to do it. So uh, I'm very much looking forward to going next year. I read the magazines. I listen to the podcasts. I go to the brick and mortars. And because I get to travel around a lot, I give speeches around the country and I go to a lot of campuses. The first thing I look up when I land in a city is not where's the hotel, where's the restaurant. Of course, the first thing I look up is where is the cigar lounge, the cigar bar, the cigar shop. Uh, so I'm personal friends with a lot of the shop owners around the country. I want it to be in retail. Uh, I, frankly, now that the Cuban market has just really cratered in terms of quality and and output, I I hope that the future of Mayflower, even as, as an American brand, is, is overseas as well. Uh, but that will all be uh, rolling out in the next 18 months. Because we've done this thing totally backwards and it's worked, I'm happy to say, uh, the, the best way to get it into retail shops, first of all, if you're a retailer that's listening, just go to mayflowercigars.com. There's a link on the website to request that you get shipments in and, and we can handle that from our end. Uh, if you're a customer, go to your local brick and mortar. I'm a huge brick and mortar supporter. Tell them you want them to stock Mayflower. When we get enough stock in, we are more than happy to get it out there into brick and mortar. Uh, you know, we, we joke around Daily Wire. It's not really a joke, but we say the main reason that we do any of the projects that we do, a movie, a show, a company, is so that we can feel like really cool guys. You know, that's really the driving uh, force here. And we would feel no cooler than if we could go into brick and mortars and have these cigars everywhere, in people's homes, online, just all over the place. So we got we got cool stuff in the works. I'll be a little uh, reticent to talk about new blends and accessories and this and that, but it is all very much in the works. I have been strongly neglecting my actual day job at the Daily Wire in political media so that I can put a lot of focus on Mayflower cigars. And I'm excited for what we have to roll out. Fantastic. Uh, I did see Michael Herklotz uh, watching the show. Michael, I had a uh, Suma right before the show. It was fantastic. Thank you for that. Great cigar. Uh, Feriotego, uh, one of my favorite brands, new brands as well. Um, Michael, uh, this week on Flavor Odyssey, the boys are taking the week off because, Jordan, it's Valentine's Day. Why are they taking the week terrible off? Terrible excuse. It's a terrible excuse. We should, we should be doing the show on Wednesday. Maybe, who knows, maybe Scott and Matt and me will just do something on Wednesday night just for the heck of it. We'll have some fun because I, I take April out on a different night. You know, yeah, what, you, you know, a, I, doesn't I, have to be on that day. It doesn't necessarily have to be on that day. And when you've got something that's great as Flavor Odyssey, I don't know. Anyways, uh, next Friday night, uh, not tomorrow night, but uh, next Friday night, Smoke Night Live will be back at its regular time, regular um, show time and regular day. And me and Coop, Cigar Coop, William Cigar Cooper, we will be live from Miami, uh, broadcasting from Miami. And Jordan and Scotty Brayband of Trinity Cigar Lounge are going to be quizzing us on the things to expect in the cigar industry from 2024. Uh, all kind, Scott, you got some ideas uh, planned for us? You got some tough, oh, yeah. hitting, hard-eating questions? Got, I have got 
all the deep, hard questions. You got the heat coming? Oh, yeah. We're ready. I'm ready. Let's do this. So we will be Can't back uh, next Friday night. We want to really thank uh, Michael Knowles for taking the time tonight on Smoke Night Live. This was a really fun episode. Uh, appreciate it. We're excited about Mayflower Cigars. Uh, this was a, I'm smoking the dusk right now. It's very delicious. Thank you, Michael. And until next week, everybody, remember, never, never smoke, smoke alone. alone. We'll see you guys next week.